Praise God. Well, listen, that is, man, he said everyone that's in agreement with that prayer said amen, hallelujah. This is what you all did. Amen, hallelujah. Come on, sir. We, we, we serve a mighty God. We can, come on, we can give him a little better thanksgiving and glory. Come on, if you agree with that prayer, come on, let's shout hallelujah, give God glory. Amen and amen. This is a good day. This is the day that the Lord has made. So we will do what? Rejoice and be glad in it. Something good is going to happen to you today. And you should wake up every day believing that this is the day. God can do anything on any given day. How many know he's not asleep on Sundays? God works every day of the week on behalf of his people. And I just want to share a quick testimony just from last Sunday talking about debt cancellation. This person sent this to me. It's long, so I, I really want to get right to it because we've got some good information today. But, so I'll give a synopsis of the first part. Basically, somebody tried to hack into this individual's checking account and, and was unsuccessful. They were able to reverse it and, and get the money back into the account. Uh, goes on to say that the devil is a liar. I got everything straightened out. Everything returned to me. The person who tried to hack into my account did not succeed. Watch this. One credit card down, the largest one, $8,872.94, paid in full. Glory, hallelujah, never to go back again in Jesus' name. Come on, folks. That's an $8,000 credit card debt cancellation. Come on. Once you make the decision, God will help you every step of the way. You have to make the decision and watch God put his super on your natural and get you to that land of you not owing anyone nothing but to love him. How many of you know that's a great place to live right there? Why don't you speak life into somebody that's right next to you and then you can be seated? However you led, just speak life into them. However you led, then you can be seated. Speak some form of life into them. Man, I'm so excited this morning. I don't know what to do. Can you all see two people up here on the platform? I feel like it's two of me up here right now. God is just that good. Glory to God. Now, let's get right into this because there's something I need to do on the back end of the service that I believe I'm led uh, by the Spirit of God to do. And so, uh, let's just get right where we need to cover today. We've got three foundational texts for biblical laws of prosperity. I'll just quote them today so that we can get to the new information. But we know Romans ten seventeen says that faith comes by what? Does it come by having heard? What does it come by? Hearing, right? That uh, literal Greek there is hearing and hearing. So any area of your life that you want to come up in, you need to hear the Word of God on that particular subject because it's going to increase your faith. Listen to this, for what God has already provided for you through grace. So it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So let's make sure that we know what creates faith is the Word of God. We've got to hear that. And then uh, the next one was John chapter 17, verse 17, John, uh, Jesus praying for his disciples before his final departure. He t- praying to the Father, he said, thy word is true. And he prayed to the Father, he said, sanctify them through thy truth. And then he reiterated, thy word is truth. There should be a clear difference between us and the world. Notice what he prayed was that the disciples would be separate from the word. How many know the word is the only thing that can separate us from this world? 
All right? And so we've got to make sure that there's a line of demarcation where we're on God's side of the truth in terms of everything that he said. And then in 3 John uh, verses 2 through 4, uh, John there writing to his friend Gaius, he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, but let's not minimize even as thy soul prospers. How many you know your mind has to be right in order to prosper the way God wants you to prosper, right? You've got to get your mind right. Well, what does that mean? You've got to learn how to think the way God thinks. And the only way you can do that is by reading His Word, right? How many you know you've got to get your will right? You've got to make a decision to align your will with the will of God. I know your head and, and uh, your friends and family members and the way you were raised are saying something completely different. But once you read what God said about it, make a decision to align your will with that and watch the results that come. And so th- these three parts are so important, your spirit, your soul, and your body. Your soul is your mind, your will. How many you know emotionally a lot of people are just shipwrecked today? And you've got to make your, a decision to let that Word of God control your emotions or your emotions will control you. And we said all of those things, all right? And we really uh, talked about how to prosper spiritually, how to prosper in your soul, how to prosper in your body. We're looking at right now 14 ways to understand biblical prosperity. 14 keys, I'm sorry, to understanding biblical prosperity. Number one was understanding spiritual and physical laws. We're talking about the law of sin and death and the law of life, which is in Christ Jesus. We already talked about that. Old Testament is the blessing and the curse. New Testament, we're talking about the law of sin and death. How many know sin will always end in destruction? It always looks good on the front end, but it always ends the same way, okay? And then the law of life, which is in Christ Jesus, really every time we obey the Word of God, the blessing is already built into it. The blessings have already been provided into the earth, and then they begin to yield themselves to us as we walk in uh, obedience to the law of the Spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Last week, we talked about the world system versus God's system, and really what that boils down to is the head and the tail, who's doing the lending, who's doing to borrow. How many of y'all have made a decision that you want to be debt-free? Okay, you must make that decision if you want to live properly in the kingdom, and you can do it, and God will help you. Whether you make $40,000 a year or $400,000 a year, how many of you can live debt-free? And you adjust your percentages, we'll talk about that later, to your income, and you can live a healthy life off of whatever income. And you'll find the stewardship principle will kick in. That once you're faithful over what you currently make, then how many know now God can increase you to more? But a lot of people think that if I can just make more money, then I'll give to God. How many know if you're not giving, making $40,000 a year, you are not getting ready to give, making $80,000 a year? right? Because really the condition of your heart has not changed. Your income has changed, but your heart has remained the same, which means the same decisions that you made at 40, they're now getting ready to be magnified even further at 80, okay? And so now let's go to new information for today. We're going to continue that thought, and today we're going to specifically look at Satan versus God, okay? Point number three today, Satan versus God. I want you to pay very close attention. You know, the world's information is always opposing God's information. And so, if you don't know the truth, how many know it's very easy for you to be deceived, right? And, and, And the world's information is always directly opposed to God's information. And so, what is your task? Your task is to make sure that you believe 
and think the way that God thinks. And the only way that you can do that is by spending enough time with the Word of God. If you can believe and think the way God thinks, then how many know you can never be deceived? Even if it sounds close, you'll know the difference between what's really true and what the enemy is trying to really uh, try to present to you that's opposing what God's real truth is. And so that is so important. The world will admit that it has no power to overcome poverty, sickness, spiritual ills, or all of the social ills that we see in our world. If you'll notice, the world is not fixing these problems. These problems are getting worse. Am I right about that? So the world will admit to you they don't know the answers, they don't have the solutions because at the end of the day, they are not God. I want you to write down this this statement will go up on the screen. True prosperity is the ability to use God's power to meet the needs of mankind, watch this, in any realm of life. I'll read it again. It's up on the screen. True prosperity is the ability to use God's power to meet the needs of mankind in any realm of life. And this covers so much more than just finances, politics, social ills. This covers the entire gamut of human existence, okay? True prosperity is the ability to use God's power to meet the needs of mankind in any realm of life. Listen very carefully, and then we're going to begin to get into the Word on this. Money is the lowest form of power that exists on the earth. Did you all hear what I just said? Money is the lowest form of power that exists on this earth. So if you notice, whenever you listen to the world's music, what is it all about? Money, power, sex, right? If you look at the most popular television shows, and I won't name any of them, but what are they all about? Money, power, and sex. And a lot of times we're sitting there thinking that we're being entertained, but really there's a subliminal message that's going into our subconscious. Hello, somebody. I mean, if you sit there and you watch people uh, really figuring out better ways to commit adultery, over time, that's going to wear on you. And you've got to recognize what's God and what's the enemy. Now, don't get in bondage. I'm not saying we can't enjoy life. But Jesus was real specific. He said, take heed how you hear. Right? Because with the same measure that you're hearing it, it's going to be measured back to you again. So at some point, if you take a steady diet of that, how many of you are going to have a reality of that in your life? That's why he's so into the music and so into entertainment. All right? So money is the lowest form. Now, this is going to shock you. Anytime you enter a church and the primary subject is money, you're in the wrong building. And at any point that they're telling you that you can measure God on your life by what you possess, they are lying to you. If they're telling you that you're close to God because you drive a certain kind of car, hello, somebody. Hello, you live in a certain kind of neighborhood. At the end of the day, folks, none of that measures true maturity in the things of God. I'm going to show you all of that from the Word of God. So pay attention to that. When every service is about money and what God can do for you, and and, how many of you are in the wrong facility at that point? Because money is the lowest form of power that exists on the earth. Do you know what the highest form is? 
Don't everyone answer that question at the same time. But do you know what the highest form is? Believe it or not, folks, it is the power of prayer. It is the ability to use the name of Jesus to meet any need that you may have in this life. How many know that is real power right there? God allows us to use His name. How many know if I give you my credit card and tell you to go get whatever you want, how many know I've now bestowed upon you my name in terms of what my credit or what the maximum amount is on that car to be a blessing to you? How many know that would be a blessing to you? It's no different with God. You imagine He's given us the authority to use His Son's name to get our human needs met on any level. That's real power, folks. God's power will really handle any situation in our lives. It takes the power of God to make all of us completely whole. How many know money by itself won't make you whole? I was just in the hospital yesterday walking down the ICU wing, uh, visiting one of our members, and, and walking down the ICU wing, it was real clear to me that those people would rather have health than money in that moment. It's a real humbling moment for me, really. It's real humbling. If you've ever been privileged to go out and pray for people, it's a real humbling. You literally want to go into every room, lay hands on every single one of them, tell them, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. Because it it really, you see the families are hurting, all kind of, it's just real trauma on, on those ICU wings and on those floors. Now, I want to go over four points today, uh, and they'll all go up on the screen. I've lettered those for you, and we're really going to look at this whole Satan versus God issue. Uh, Point number one, or letter A, God's power is in direct relationship with His Word. God's power is in direct relationship with His Word. And I want you to say this with me. Say, no word, no power. Say it again. No word, no power. Because the Word of God is the power of God. So, God's power is in direct relationship with His Word. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. God's power is in direct relationship with His Word. Isaiah chapter 55, 10 and 11. When you get there, say amen. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10 says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there. So I want you all to understand, when it rains, how many know we can't try to put all of that back in buckets and throw it back up into heaven? Right? Once that rain and that snow comes down, I mean, it does not return. Okay, I want you to remember that. Notice what it does. So then it's coming from heaven for a purpose. What is that purpose? To water the earth so that it may bring forth and bud so that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So notice the rain and the snow comes down to provide for our physical needs, right, through food. And how many know when you sow seed, you get what's called a what? Harvest of whatever seed it is that you sow. Notice what he says, because the word is a, a water is a type of the word of God. And so the word of God will work the same way that the water does for the earth. It will work the same way in the life of a believer. Notice what he said. So shall my word, or in other words, the exact same way, my word that goes forth from my mouth, 
it shall not return to me void or empty. Watch this. But it shall accomplish what I please, and I love this, and it shall prosper, not might, not I hope. It shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So no different. Just like we cannot take that water and throw it back up into heaven. How many know once that word goes out, how many know it is not coming back empty? It is going to prosper and accomplish in the thing where it to it was said. So if God says to owe no man nothing but to love him, how many know that is the word of God? And once you make a decision to obey that, then how many know all of heaven, all of the angels, this entire earth is getting ready to align itself with you to help you accomplish the goal of becoming debt free? Why? Because he's God. It cannot come back to him empty. Now, the issue is, do we really believe it? Go with me to Hebrews chapter 1. Let's look at it another way. I love that. It shall prosper wherever it's sent. How many of you can put your word on, on, you can put the word on your marriage, and your marriage will never be the same again? How many of you got some children acting up? Put the word of God on them. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Man, I tell you, I'm so blessed. My son came home from that youth camp, and uh, he's the one we work on the most. He's a good kid, but, but he needs the most attention. Anybody here know what I'm saying? Come on, parents. Don't leave me out here by myself. He all boy, all alpha male. Why? You need to understand everything. Boy came back and said, Dad, I had a God experience at youth camp. So, you know, I want to watch to see the results of it. So, uh, later on, I go in his room, and it shot me. The whole room was spotless. Everything was put up where it was supposed to be. Later on that night, we tell him to put all the electronics up by a certain time. Fifteen minutes before that time, he came walking in the room. Put his, usually, you got to go find him somewhere. He's hiding somewhere. Oh, I didn't know what time it was. That, Fifteen minutes before, the boy put his, I said, boy, he did have a God experience. How I many of that's a blessing right there? And I'm telling you, I'm so blessed just in these few days because I used to be a youth pastor, so I know how this drill worked to see that, man, this boy has had an experience with God for himself. How I many of know that's a blessing right there? I said, how I many of know that's a blessing right there? And we've been putting the word on that boy and believing God for that boy, and now I'm starting to see God word not return back void in my son's life. Come on, somebody rejoice with me for a moment. That's a blessing right there. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 says, God who, has, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, but he has in these last days spoken to us through his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. Watch this. Though whom also he made the worlds, or through also whom he made the worlds, who is the brightness or being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Watch this. And upholding all things by the word of his power. When he made uh, by himself purged us of our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Notice Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit are still upholding all things by the word of power. How many of you know over almost over 6,000 years ago, God said, light be and light was, and guess what? Light still is. 
So think about it. If this whole world was created on the Word of God, on the Word of God, and God is upholding this word, world by the Word of God, you don't think He can uphold your marriage? Come on, somebody. You don't think He can uphold your life and, and, and not get you a job, create a job for you and, and help your business? Come on, somebody. Come on. If He can uphold the entire world, world by the Word of His power, then certainly He can uphold your life by the power of His Word. Come on, somebody. There's no doubt about it. It's just can we put our, that much trust in what God said? Let's read another one, Hebrews chapter 4. Let's look at verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Actually, we'll read 12 and 13. When you get there, say amen. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. It says, for the Word of God in verse 12 is living and it is powerful. Man, we can stop right there. The Word of God is living and it is powerful. How many know the Word is the power, right? So the Word of God is living and it is power. Powerful, and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. In other words, it cuts going in and it cuts going out. Look at what it's able to do. Piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. Notice that is spirit, soul, and body. How many know the Word of God has enough power in it to take care of your spirit, to take care of your soul, and to take care of your physical body? I know this to be true because when I first got the call about the person that was in the hospital, the call came in, this is failing, this is failing, it's not looking good. I said, look here, the Word of God's getting ready to make it look good. Come on, somebody. Come on, and, and I didn't feel an urgency to get out of my bed and run down there. What I felt an urgency to do was to send the word down there. It was like his fever is at 103, 104. He cannot talk. He's incoherent. Blah, 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 blah. I started confessing, Father, you said he'll live and not die. Father, you said that you sent your word and, and you can heal us, that there's no distance in prayer. Come on, you said that by your stripes we are healed. You said healing is the children's bread, and it belongs unto us. So I began to call out his name and confess. By the time I walked into the hospital the next day, I walked in, stood over him. He looked at me and started cracking jokes. Start, he was coherent. He was talking. Fever had come down to 99. Come on, somebody. Liver was okay. Kidney was okay. Come on. And what it ended up being was a viral infection. Come on. And now we're going to talk, talk about the viral infection because they've given it a name. Meningitis is a name that must bow to the name of Jesus. So we take authority over it right now, and we declare that he'll rise up off of that bed and walk out of that hospital on his own power and on his own accord in Jesus' name. And if you believe that with me, come on, somebody, give God glory in this place. This word is living and it is powerful, and it can do what God said it can do in any area of your life. It can take a busted up life and make it a blessed life. Come on, somebody. It can take a broke life and make it a blessed life. All you've got to do is find out what God said, line your will up with what God said, and watch God's Word go to work in your life. Come on, somebody. Somebody ought to be tired of living the same way that you've been living for too long, and you've got all this power sitting in your lap. It's time to start using it so that God can get the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Boy, I feel like jumping off of this stage out there into the audience. 
says it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Notice, nothing can hide from the Word of God. Hallelujah. How many know the Word of God will always find us out? Whether we believe it or whether we don't believe it. I mean, life is going to present a situation that will force us to determine what it is that we believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you are on that word, it will not matter what life throws at you. Weapons can form every day if they want to, but not one of them will prosper when you know what God said about your situation. Hallelujah. 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 Your faith is in direct relation to the level of the Word of God that's operating on the inside of you. You cannot get mad at people. You cannot get upset with bosses. People do what people do. But the Word of God will cause you to supersede whatever people try to do to you. Hallelujah. You, over time, you'll learn to not even pay attention to them. Because they do what they do. They always have something to say. They will always criticize something because they're looking through the eyes of their own soul. And when you are not happy with yourself, you always see what's wrong with everybody else. So you cannot be jumping and flinching every time someone has something negative to say about you. It really tells you more about them than what they're trying to say about you. You've got to know that as long as you are on the Word of God, come on, a thousand can fall at my side, ten thousand at is not coming near me or my household. Forget what you're talking about. Glory to God. Your faith is in direct relation to the level of the Word of God that is in you. You get your word level up so that you can believe spiritually, mentally, physically, financially, and socially. Right now, your life is at the level of your word level. Listen to me. It's not the church that you attend. Sermons, all they do is point you in a direction. Until you take the sermon home and study it for yourself, it is not your word. So what people do is if it don't change this week, let me go try this church over here. Let me go follow this prophet. Let me go get hands. Let let me get oil doused on me. Let me tell you something. It's all right here. And you don't have to run anywhere. I want you to listen to me. This is, when I wrote this, man, this is one of the most powerful statements I can make. When your word level is up, you'll be in position to handle any problem that comes your way. Watch this. According to the word of God, you may not have the answer, but God always does. Most people, I want to show you something. If you're already proactive then you already have what you need whenever challenges show up. So when they show up, you can say, I recognize you. I've seen this before. Come on, somebody. And you know what to apply to that. Most people are not proactive. They are reacting. And how many of you know this? Now it's kind of late. Now you're behind the eight ball. And God will help you, but it's a whole lot different to, to catch up than it is to just stay ahead. Go to John chapter 14. 
Jesus here in John 14, beginning at verse 18, he's teaching his disciples, and I believe this with all of my heart. He's given them a perfect outline and a perfect picture of biblical prosperity. I want to read this to you. This blessed me last night. John chapter 14, beginning at verse 18, says, I will not leave you comfortless. How I many know we can go home right there? Said, but I will come to you yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But you see me because I live. You shall live also. And at that day, you shall know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. He that has my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loves me. Now, he is defining how to love him. How many know he did not say when you attend church, you are demonstrating that you love him? Attending church is a response to your love, but notice he clearly defined this. Like in my house, every woman is different, and you need to know how your woman needs to be loved because everyone is different. And in my household, it is affection, it is talking, and it is kissing all the time. Both my wife and my daughter. They must be near you. Part of their body has to be touching you. It's, it's hot right now, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> talking all the time. I was preparing for the message today. My daughter comes in there, and she's having a moment. She stayed in there with me for one hour just talking about she's reminiscing. We're moving. So she's pulling out her all, all her old stuff. She wants to read to me all her notes from Children's Church. <laughs> How I many know I, I didn't get to bed till late last night? So, I mean, I got to tell God, hold on for a minute, because you gave me her. You know what she needs. So I got to put that down and sit there and we talk for about an hour because that's how she defines love. It's listening to her, both my wife and my daughter. God is clearly defining here how he defines it. That you have it, his word, and you keep it. He said, he it is that loves me. Now I want you to see the benefit of that, okay? Let's keep reading here. He it is that loves me, and he that loves me shall be loved of my Father. Now, we can stop right there. I'm a father who loves my children, and I make sure all of their needs are met. And I'm not God. Do you understand that when God loves you, you have nothing to worry about? I wouldn't care if they closed the whole unit you worked in. All he's doing is catapulting you to a bigger and better unit. But if you don't know him, then you can never wrap your mind around how much he loves you. Come on, let this linked up story revolutionize you. They, they thought they took everything from me. Didn't realize they gave me everything. And I want you to listen. I'm going to say a powerful statement. Anything that Satan ever tries to do to you, God will always trump it at least double. When you understand how much he loves you. Let him fire you. It just means something better is out there for you. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching better than you all saying amen. 
Somebody said, I'm preaching better than you all saying amen. When you know how much he loves you. Watch this now. I will love him, and here it is. <laughs> and I will manifest myself to him. Manifest means reveal, unfold. Judah saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that you'll manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if a man loves me, watch this, he will keep my words. And my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our home with him. Folks, I believe that's true prosperity. How many of you know if you have God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit living with you, I don't think you have much to worry about. And he said, all you got to do is keep my word. So what he's saying is your part is to keep the word, and I'll give you all the power of heaven to back it. We'll come. We'll come live with you. We'll make our home with you. Now, how many know wherever God is, sickness and God can't dwell in the same home? Uh, let me try it over here. So, how many know wherever God is, poverty and God, they can't live together? Oh, Jesus. Let me try over here. How many know busted up kids and broke marriages and all that can't live with God? Okay, I heard that, Holy Spirit. I'll quote this. You remember in 2 Samuel chapter 6, children of Israel had lost the Ark of the Covenant. David went back and seized it. Now he's taking the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel, to the city of David, to Jerusalem, to the city of David. While they're on that journey, journey, one of his men, uh, Uzzah, uh, touches the Ark of the Covenant and falls out dead. Y'all remember that? And that upset David, so David stopped the journey for a moment. And they take the Ark of the Covenant, and they put it in the house of Obed-Edom for three whole months. And the Scripture says that because the presence of the Lord was in the house of Obed-Edom, that God blessed everything concerning him and his household. How many know when God is living with you, you'll be blessed, your wife will be blessed, your children will be blessed? Come on, somebody. You can be a single parent. You'll be blessed. Your children will be blessed. It doesn't matter what your story is, right? And then the men came back and reported to David that since we put the Ark of the Covenant in Obed-Edom's house, God has blessed everything. But what did that Ark represent? The presence of God. It represented God living in the house of Obed-Edom. Once David heard that, they said he went and retrieved that ark out of Obed-Edom's house, and he said, we've got to get this back to the city of David. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think they take about six uh, steps or something like that. They set the ark of the covenant down, and David would just get the dancing because he knew once we get that ark back to Jerusalem, the presence of God is going to bless everything concerning us. Notice you don't see anything in there about money. What you see is the presence of God. How many know it's the presence of God through obeying the Word of God that produces all the rest of that stuff? Hallelujah. 
What you want at the end of the day is God living in your marriage, God living with you and your children. Come on, somebody. God living with you on your job where all promotions come to you and your desk. Come on, somebody. Even when man does you wrong, you can witness God doing something better for you on the back end. Come on, somebody. I'm talking, you don't have to get caught up in the, what they did to you. And da, da, da. You don't need to do any of that. What you need to know is that God loves you. And because I'm in this situation, I know God has already provided a way out for me. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, don't leave me out here by myself today. You all want a little bit more today? Go with me to well, point number B, how Satan operates. Before we look at that, see, when God manifests himself to you and lives with you, how many know you are living in prosperity? One thing I can clearly see, which is I know a big reason why my wife just doesn't buck me on stuff. She can see God with every decision her husband makes. I mean, a horrible woman, a buck a man, even if she doesn't understand it, when she knows God supporting that man. It's important, husbands, as you lead your families. The wife needs to see God with you. But it's going to be hard for her to believe that he's with you if she never sees you spend time with him. See, the amens were a lot stronger. It's so important that every day you spend time with the Father. Then you can now communicate to your family what the Father said. Why we're doing what we're doing. See? I just downsized my family again. We didn't have to. All I had to do was show them on paper a goal. So, since we're not, we know we're not getting ready to buy out here, this is just too far away from where we live, let's make this move right now. Why take that money to pay for that when if we downsize, the downsides will pay for that? And then we'll get there faster since we're not buying anyway. Everybody can see. Then I said, you remember, told the kids, you remember the vacation we went on this summer? I can take you on even better vacations because we'll save this much money. They looked at that. They were like, let's do it. We can all do it. I told my son, you got next. Now, your, your sister just got her car. I know what kind of car you like. You know the drill, right? I'll be able to do it easy for you. He said, easy, Dad? I said, easy. <laughs> if we just take this move right back. But it's interesting that as soon as we made the decision to humble ourselves, we didn't really have to take that much of a step back at all. Matter of fact, when the driver picked me up today, he said, I thought you said you all downsized. <laughs> True story. Same quality. Almost half the money. I wish my wife was sitting here. There's not another home in the entire system of this cycle at that level, at that price. Listen to this. The home never made it on the market. The agent just liked us and said, wait a minute. Give me a minute to work on I said, here's my budget. I'd love to stay in these kind of situations. I know they don't exist in those kind of subdivisions, but if you can do anything, let us know. She's a Christian lady. Let me tell you what I believe she did. She looked our name up, looked at her credit score, saw linked up church. These really are pastors and wanted to help us. True story. Driver picked me up today and said, I thought you all downsized. How many know it's a blessing when you can live pretty much at the same level for almost half the money? 
I'm talking about God being with you, folks. He'll help you do these kind of things. All right? You, you all want a little bit more today? Letter B, how Satan operates. We'll go through these quickly. You can look at the world system of finance and you can see a perfect picture of Satan's whole pattern in just a few words. John chapter 10, verse 10. Write that down. I'm giving you a lot of words today, a lot of verses. John chapter 10, verse 10 says that the thief cometh not before to what? Steal, to kill, and to what? And to what? So if th- things are being stolen, who's behind that? All right. If things, if people are be- things are being killed, who's behind that? If things are being destroyed, who's behind that? All right. Don't miss that. God is not in that. Say amen to that. Things are being stolen. Things are being destroyed. God is not in any of that kind of destruction. Okay? Now, listen very carefully here, Christian. How do you kill a body of water? How do you kill it? You stop it from flowing. Once it becomes a dam or a pond and no more water is flowing in and out, how many know it now just sits and begins to develop algae? And fungus, and it begins to kill all living organisms that are in that body because it's no longer flowing. I mean, a river is quite different. A river has water coming in, and a river is shooting water out. So everything in it has life. Watch this. How do you kill a physical body? You stop it from functioning. Watch this. How do you kill a Christian financially? If you're listening to everything I just said, how do you kill a Christian financially? You get them to hold on to their money, and they become a dam. Which is why Satan fights this so much in church, because he knows how the system operates. Stay with me now. Anytime you can stop in the body of Christ something from flowing, you are killing it. Satan is a deceiver, so absolutely nothing he does is a blessing. So anytime you are, think you're being instructed to hold on, you need to understand who's behind that. Anytime you are willing to go out and purchase a home that does not allow you to give, you must understand who's behind that. Anytime you go out and buy multiple vehicles and cars and you cannot, you say, I can't afford to give or if I give, I won't be able to pay this, you have been deceived. And what Satan is doing is trying to stop the flow of God in your life. Because remember, if nothing goes out, nothing can come in in the kingdom and you kill a Christian financially. You all want a little bit more of this? This may be a book someday, honestly, the way God has given this to me. Listen, this may be a first little mini book right here because the grace message, I couldn't have understood this without that piece. Wait till we really get to the, to the other part of it. Watch this now. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 32b confirms what I just said. It says the complacency or self-confidence, one translation says prosperity of fools shall destroy them. So you'll learn it may look like a blessing, but the moment it stops you from giving, it's now designed to destroy. 
How many times now, again, in the body of Christ, have we seen people say, look at the car God has blessed me with? To have that car repossessed. How many times we've heard people, look at, come to the home God's blessed me with. To have that home foreclosed on. Let's never forget Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord, it makes rich, but watch this, it has no sorrow with it. So if you received it and it stopped you from giving, it was set up to destroy you. That could be the home you live in, the car you drive, come on somebody, or your excessive desire for clothes and and hair and all the rest of it. It is a trick if it stops the flow. In fact, if you want to discern between the work of God and the work of Satan, remember, Satan will always tell you there is no way out. Right? So he will say, pay this, do this, do that, because there's no other way out. When Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So what you'll understand is that any time you obey God, it's going to provide a way for you. People ask me all the time, Pastor, if I don't tithe or if I don't give, I can pay this off sooner. Okay, it's a trick. You stop the flow, it's ultimately going to end in destruction. Are you all listening out there? How many of y'all glad you came to church today? Good stuff right here, isn't it? All right? So anytime you're hearing there is no way, it's a lie. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Letter C. Let me keep moving. I could say a whole lot more there, but I think you get the point there, right? Don't stop the flow. Watch this. Letter C. The basic principle God planned to supply the body of Christ. I'm getting ready to show it to you in the Old Testament, and I'm getting ready to show it to you in the New Testament can be summed up in these two verses. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1. Most of you all do not read the book of Ecclesiastes, so please go to your table of contents. (laughs) Some of y'all thought that was China or something, didn't you? Some kind of silverware. Ecclesiastes. Okay, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1. Old Testament, New Testament. Show you two different. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Watch this. And after a while, it will come back to you again. Listen very carefully. You have to start casting your bread at some point in your life. Today, tomorrow, some day will never do. I mean, you've got to make a decision just like debt. You've got to make a decision to be a person who is a caster. Okay? I'll show you where I'm going with this. You can't wait until your bread comes back before you cast it out. Fear causes people to say, when I get blessed, then I'll start to give. In the kingdom, that's Satan's way, the way I just... In the kingdom is you you give, and then you're blessed. You all understand the difference? 
Satan will always tell you, once you pay this off, once we get here, once we get that, then we're going to be faithful givers. How many you know it's a setup for destruction? Listen very carefully. Many are waiting for the ship to come in who have never sent one out. We believe in for a whole lot of stuff, but we have not sent a whole lot of stuff out. How many of you know we've been deceived to think that it works the other way around? It's going to come in, and then I'll send it out. No, I must send it out, then it comes in. It's God's job to see that it comes back to you. It's your job to send it out and trust God to bring it back. I'll tell you a story here. Well, let me read this. Well, I think I didn't have children at the time. This is why cars, just it's amazing how many cars we've been offered and homes. And I, mean, I can just tell you all so many stories, executive homes. And you can live here for free, and you and your family just stay here as long as you like. Let me show you where this comes from. Uh, my wife, I was probably 30, 31 years old. I just got married, and I had a youth leader at the, t- at the time by the name of Don Brown. Don Brown used to catch the bus to uh, youth services, meetings, all of that, in the snow, rain, slush, sleet, and walk everywhere he wanted. Don Brown at the time was probably 60 years old, and Don Brown did not own a car. And God placed it on my heart to buy Don Brown a car. I'll never forget this as long as I live. At that particular moment, I said, you know what? I'm going to use my faith to believe God for a car. And the car that I believe for, I'm going to give to Don. And sure enough, someone walks up to us and says, we've got a gently used uh, Ford Focus. Uh, and at the time, the Ford Focus was nice. It's still nice today. Matter of fact, it's still nice today. And, uh, and so they gave it to us. And I said, babe, this is, well, this is Don's car. And so we, we drive up. I'll never forget this as long as I live. We drive up to John's place of work. Uh, John. We drive up to, what's, my, what's the li- Don's place of work? I'm John, the Bible. We drive up to where Don worked. Don was a shoe shine guy. And I said, I called him on the phone. I said, Don, come on downstairs. I, I got something I need to, to share with you. So Don gets in the car, and he said, when did you get this? I said, yesterday. No, I said like a week ago. I just had to do some things to it, get it all set up and make sure it was functioning properly. And we start driving. We go for a ride. We're riding around the parking lot. And I said, Don, how do you like this car? He said, this is nice. I said, Don, what would you do if I told you this was your car? Listen, he almost had a heart attack. <laughs> True story. I stopped the car. Don jumps out the car, takes off running. Runs around the car, jumps up on the hood, hugs the car, and he, grown man, 60 years old, and is just crying, crocodile tears. And I can tell you story after story. Another time, my wife and I were in a grocery store. You'll see where I'm going. We saw this particular couple in there, and the Lord just spoke to my spirit. He said, buy them whatever they want, tell them to shop till they drop in the grocery store, right? And so we go over, we tell them. And, and the husband, full of pride at the moment, he, saw, he starts getting spam and popcorn. I said, man, listen, if, you had, if money was no object, would you really get spam? 
How many of that poverty will keep you all messed up? Somebody just said, somebody just said, I said, you get some steaks, wouldn't you? Once the revelation hit him, he started crying. So then they fill up two grocery carts full of groceries, right? And so we get to the checkout line, and they're both just crying. And we ask them, why were they crying? God's being good to you. Said we were completely out of money, and we were literally in here believing God, just trying to get whatever we could with what we had. And, man, listen to me. I can go on and on, even all the way up to recently after I lost my job, my most recent job. I was, you know, it's a money challenge right after that because I had promised his family I'm going to give him a car. Now, I had just taken the car into the shop. The shop told me we'll give you eleven to $13,000 for it. Now, I mean, when you don't have a job, no income coming in, eleven dollars to $13,000 is like, okay, how long can we live like that? So, I, I, my initial reaction was to hold on to the car. How many know the devil will start telling you, you missed the season? See, he said, give it to him, but he didn't say in what season. <laughs> Thank God for a good wife once again. Now, again, I, I don't have money coming in, and we, if I give this one away, we'll be down to one car. Amen. I'm just showing you how this works. My wife said, if God told you to do it, just do it. I called the person up. I knew right there if I don't get this out of my hands. Called the person up, set that up, got rid of the car. Well, I can't begin to tell you what flowed back in. Are you all listening out there? You cannot be a dam. You must be a river. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Everyone in here knows it. What does it say? Give, and it shall be what? Given unto you, how? Press down, shaking together, and running over. Don't stop there. Shall what? See, watch this. So if you're not blessing people, then why would God send people to bless you? Because he has to use somebody. So if all you're thinking about is yourself, how many know selfishness is the opposite of love? What you'll find is uh, what we read a lot of times in Proverbs. The more you water other people and you help them come up, God's going to send people into your life to water you and bring you up. Think about it. If you never do anything for other people, then it shouldn't surprise you why no one never does anything for you. It's okay. Go ahead. Right there. That's a good place to, to give God glory. Especially if what you've done is put yourself in a position where you can't afford to give to God and nobody else. Satan has now tricked you into living into something you can't afford, driving something you can't afford. Hello, somebody. So that you can become a dam and hold on to everything that you make. And you'll notice it's like putting money in brown paper bags with holes in it. You still can't get ahead. And you stay right there in that rut. Somebody shout glory in this place. This good stuff right here, isn't it? You all getting anything out of this today? Hallelujah. Things that make you go, let's move to letter D. Satan operates the exact opposite way. Letter D. 
Satan operates the exact opposite way, okay? When you see a wicked man with a great, notice the key here is wicked man. When you see a wicked man with a great amount of wealth, what you're looking at is a financial reservoir or a dam created by Satan to stop the flow. What do I mean by that? You ever notice that people who accumulate and hold on to everything that they have are some of the most miserable people in the world? If you've ever been around them, you know, I mean, and they destroy their marriages, destroy their children. Some of the most mean because their whole life is based off of fear of losing what it is that they've accumulated. Not understanding that the more of it they give away, the more of it is going to come back again. Satan operates the exact opposite way. Go to Mark chapter 10. Look at verse 23 out of the Amplified. Mark chapter 10, 23. Notice what Jesus says. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, With what difficulty will those who possess wealth and keep on holding it enter into the kingdom of God? See, so notice the issue was not the accumulation of wealth. What kept them out was they held on to it. And they made the wealth their God. Isn't this good? Isn't this good? So you've got to start to begin to understand every time it comes to you, you should ask yourself, is this for me or is this God trying to get it through me? How many have been very easy to keep that for focus for ourselves as an extra vehicle? Put one of ours up. Make it last longer. That's being selfish. I can tell you nothing. This is why house blessings are on us. My wife and I, we just believed God to pay off the home that we were living in, uh, which was $200,000. We paid it off in, in like two years, two and a half years. And then as soon as we paid it off, the Lord said, now give it to your mother and let your mother enjoy the rest of her life debt free. Watch this, which meant we've got to now go buy another house. Now, if I could tell you something here, this, this, we had no idea what was going on, which meant we turned around and we bought her home. Okay? This will bless you now. You don't want to receive it this way. We weren't thinking like this. We were just trying to be a blessing. I'd much rather have my mother here today. So we bought hers, put her in the one that was paid for. We get shipped to Atlanta. While we're in Atlanta, my mom transitions, uh, which her home is like a $285,000 home. But when she transitioned, the insurance paid off her home. So now we've got two debt-free homes in Michigan, one worth $200,000, one worth $285,000. We sold both of them for more than what they were worth. We had no idea. All we were doing was looking to be a blessing. Which ended up becoming a huge financial foundation that still is for my family to this day. Because if you know me, it's the floor for me. And I only figure out how to keep turning it over. How many know when you work hard to pay something off, believe God to pay it off, last thing you want to hear is now give it away. 
But watch this. A lot of people are believing God for houses, but they've sent no houses out. So you might say, well, why are people offering you houses? Because I'm, I'm, I'm sharing it with you. Only reason we didn't accept the house here, because you must look every gift horse in the mouth. And both of my wife and I said, we don't know that family well enough. And I'm unwilling to put you and these kids in a situation where I don't know those people that well. And then I said, plus, it's not our, it's not our time yet. There's a time to receive gifts like that. And we haven't earned that. Hallelujah. 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 You all still glad you came to church today? It's good stuff, isn't it? Good stuff? So I want you to think about it. There's no cars going out. There's no, I'm not helping other people. Then why would God send people to help me? And so, see, a lot of times I'll watch to see is God with a person before I'll support him. I want to see that. Because a lot of people are selfish. All they want is you to help them. But I want to see, are you helping other people? Come on, somebody. Because I'll be able to tell that in your time of need, did anybody rush in to help you? Come on, I'm preaching better than you all saying amen. Okay, let's close today. Listen to this closing statement. Put that statement up on the screen. True prosperity is the ability to look a man in the eye in the moment of his possibility, or in, in the moment of impossibility, and take his needs as your own. See that statement up there? True prosperity is the ability to look a man in the eye in his moment of impossibility and take his needs as your own. How I many know that's a blessing when someone comes into your presence without, but they leave with what they need? And how I many know that's not always money? Sometimes that's praying for people. Sometimes that's ministering healing to somebody. Sometimes that's giving a person a word. Come on. Sometimes it's just listening to people. But it's the ability to look a man in the eye in his moment of impossibility and take his needs as your own. Hallelujah. I want to show you what that looks like. Go with me to Acts chapter 3, and I'm done for the day. I'll close right here. I believe this with all of my heart as I prepare to read this. Those who are spiritual, they like to help those who are not. Spiritual people love helping people who are lost, whether it's financially, physically, emotionally. But spiritual maturity enjoys helping people that don't have things. I believe that with all of my heart. We are to bear one another's burdens, right? When a brother comes to us with a problem, we're supposed to join ourselves in prayer. We're supposed to put pressure on Satan. We're supposed to use the name of Jesus and all of that, right? And all the time, we don't have money. I mean, all the time, we have the name of Jesus. And we've got to be willing to use that name, okay? Look at this in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. The ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried. He couldn't walk. And they laid him daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms, money, from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. So what he wants is money. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive money from them. 
Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered into the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him praising God. Notice Peter didn't have money, but he had the name of Jesus. Now I want you to think about everything we've talked about up to this point. If money was more powerful than the name of Jesus, then Peter would have gave him money. If money, if prosperity was about money, then he would have just met that need financially. But how many know that young man, if he had all the money in the world and still couldn't walk, what would it have meant to him? So what was the greater good in that moment? To heal his body. You don't always have to have money to be a blessing. Use the name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you received anything from this today, let's just lift our hands and thank God for it right now. Come on, lift your hands right where you're seated. Thank God for wisdom, revelation, knowledge, understanding from the Word of God. I'm led to do something here very quickly. Come on, first, let's thank God for His Word. Come on, thank Him for receiving His Word. Come on, make sure that you're not a dam. Come on, you don't want to be a reservoir. Come on, you want to make sure that Satan has not stopped the stuff from flowing that God has blessed you with. Everything that you have came from God, and He gave it to you, a lot, some of it, to get through you, not for you to hoard it, keep, make it, keep it upon yourself, buy your little house, your little car, think about you and your little children and nobody else. God is never in something like that. God wants it to flow all the time. Hallelujah. Make a decision today that you're going to be a river. You're going to cast, be a caster, and just keep casting your bread. You don't need to know how it's going to come back. All you need to know is it's going to come back. And the Scripture talks about later. I didn't read the rest of that verse. It's going to come back on every wave. And over time, what will happen, it will start coming back faster than you can even receive it. I can honestly tell you there's really not a week or two weeks that go by that we are not blessed financially. Somebody's not doing something for us. It just always happens all the time because we're always casting it out. It's always coming back in. Hallelujah. Now, I'm led to do something very quickly. If there's a struggling marriage in here, don't be ashamed. We're getting ready to put something on this right here, the power of the Word. Stand up if, if there's a struggling marriage in here. Whether you're with or without your spouse or if you're both together, just stand up. We're getting ready to put something on that right now. Stand up, hold hands. Stand up, struggling marriage right now. Just stand up. Just led to do that. Saw that in my prayer time this morning. We're going to put the name of Jesus on that right now. See, they don't need silver and gold. They need the name of Jesus and the Word of God. Now, if there's someone standing around you, I want you to stand up and lay hands, stretch your hands towards them, put your hand on their shoulder, however God leads you to do them. And we're getting ready to pray corporately for these marriages right now. Come on, come on, come on. Everybody stand up, stand up, stretch your hands towards them. I've been standing the whole service. What you all so tired for? Okay, stretch your hands towards them right now. Come on, join your faith with mine as we pray over these marriages right now in the name of Jesus. Father, what you have joined together, 
Let not man put asunder, Father. And so I pray right now for the head of these relationships, Father, that they'll get a greater revelation of their role in leading their marriage and their family the way, God, you've called them to lead it. Father, help them to dig into the Word of God and see how Christ treats the church so that they can turn around and treat their wives that way all the time, not based off of what the wife does or whether she deserves it, but based out of their obedience and their desire to want to keep the Word of God and please God. And Father, I pray for these wives right now, Father, that you would help them be that First Peter chapter 3 wife, that they'll learn how to win their husbands by their lifestyle and not by their words. Father, the power of living a life that is upright. I pray that they'll trust you more than they'll trust their husbands. Father, they'll get their focus off of their husband and onto your Word and figure out what their individual role is in this marriage. And Father, as a result, I pray that grace will come into this marriage. Grace making marriage easy, Father, will come into this marriage from this day forward. As each couple individually gets on the Word of God, the power of that Word is going to come into those marriages, restore those marriages, restore those households, and they'll be more in love today than they've ever been in their lives. I declare that over every marriage in Jesus' name, and everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Come on, let's release faith in this room today. Come on, let's release faith in this room today. Come on, open up your mouth, lift up your hands. Come on, shout glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for restoring marriages. Glory to God, helping those marriages live like heaven right here on earth, Father. And we give you the glory for it. Now, look up here at me for a moment. If you're in this building today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to pray for you today. I want to get you into the kingdom so that your life can begin from this moment forward the way God created you to live. And so if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life by confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart, in your heart that he is the Son of God.